Welcome to Conversations with Mayi Lenz. That's me. I'm your host, a photographer obsessed with helping women lead unapologetically. On this show, you will hear not only from me, but from other amazing women who inspire me and are making a difference in the community. What does that mean, leading unapologetically? To me, it's leading from a place of authenticity without apologies. In other words, not seeking approval for being yourself, what you care for, and value. My goal with this podcast is to inspire and help women develop powerful confidence in themselves and recognize the value we bring to the community and the world as a whole. Whether you are a stay-at-home mom, entrepreneur, pursuing a career, or growing your business, we are here to build each other up. Let's learn and grow together. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast, the show that empowers women to lead unapologetically. I'm your host, Mayi Lenz, and today we're going to we're going to be talking about how you can turn your weakness or what you consider weakness or lack into your superpower with Carolina Gutierrez. She is a business, well, she calls herself a business unicorn. <laughs> founder and serial entrepreneur. Hello, Carolina. It's so good to have you here with us today. Thanks for having me here, my Lens. I'm excited to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey into entrepreneurship. You have a very interesting story, <laughs> and I love to learn how you turn your, what so many people will consider setbacks or weakness into a superpower? Well, it's it's interesting because I never thought that I would be an entrepreneur and it took me many years to kind of realize that, that that's what I was. But um, I started my first business when I was 12 and I haven't looked back. It was always something that I considered a side hustle or just kind of that work ethic that I was uh, instilled with growing up. It was just a natural continuation of that. Um, and so it was very kind of random. I'd, I'd see an opportunity. And I'm like, oh, let's try this and let's try that. <laughs> but the reality is, is that that fire of wanting to create and of pioneering things and of uh, being willing to take that chance and of not really doing great in working for others, working with others, no problem, but working for others under what I might consider dumb or silly rules, just never <laughs> really fit who I was and, and the best way that I show up for people. The, the current journey that I'm in really started many years ago with my official diagnosis as being ADHD. And it was something that I had struggled with for a good chunk of my life and had no idea. I just thought that that's the way everybody's life was and, and that those are normal struggles. And I got diagnosed in my early 30s when I was going back to school oh, wow. to get my master's. It really just put everything into focus. I was like, oh, my God, now everything makes a lot of sense. I was equipped. Luckily, I, I got a proper diagnosis and I was equipped with a lot of tools and technologies and uh, ways of looking at what I was going through from some some great helpers through my diagnosis that really just were able to put me on the right track of how to handle this. Um, I had spent my whole life since my early 
20s really researching. I just thought I was naturally disorganized. And I was like, okay, well, <laughs> it's a personal fault, right? And so I'm like, we're going to fix this. We're going to figure out what it was. So I'd pick up every book. I'd pick up, I'd read blogs at the time. Podcasts weren't around. But if they were, I probably would have listened to every single one. And um, so once I had the diagnosis, all this research that I had been doing for 10 plus years made sense and I could apply it to the way I worked. And so it really started me on uh, this journey because I said to myself, I can't be the only one that's going through this. And I had started a little side hustle at the time because technology has always been my love language, my BFF. I, me and tech really get along well. And so I started a little business while I was in school helping small business owners um, with their technology, with their process improvement, things of that nature. You know, I was helping others where I couldn't help myself in certain areas. But when the diagnosis came in, I realized, wow, you know, this is something that I can incorporate into what I do. And, and so it slowly started to morph. And then when I started to do some research um, in finding out the prevalence of this in the entrepreneurial community, it really blew my mind because, you know, um, neurodiversity in the entrepreneurial community is rampant. Um, because they just don't fit into the regular everyday model of corporate, the corporate world or kind of structured working for other people. Um, and so, you know, the statistics are staggering. 73% um, of entrepreneurs are affected by some type of mental illness, whether directly or indirectly, and they, wow. they might not even know, right? Um, and, you know, I can, I can spew off those statistics. I don't know if that's really something that your, your audience wants to hear, but just know that, you know, it is something that in this community, um, a lot of people are suffering for. And so really my business started to take on what I had personally learned in my journey um, and really help others. And, and, you know, that's where I say my, my weakness turned into my superpower because I realized that this is in a solitary journey, just like everything else. We always think right. we're alone, but we're really not. Yeah. And, and as entrepreneurs, uh, you know, we feel like we're always alone, especially when you're a solopreneur and working and especially if you're working from home. Absolutely. Um, How, how were you, why, like what prompted you to get diagnosed? Do you, you said that you were diagnosed at 30. Yeah. So is yeah. that something that your parents took you to, you know, no. to the doctor? I what wish. Some of <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and oh, my goodness. And sometimes I, I tell people, you know, stop putting labels on yourself. That Those are just labels we keep putting because sometimes it's really just us being um, yeah. disorganized or being all Absolutely. over the place. Sometimes yeah. I think like, I wonder if I do suffer some type of ADHD. Yeah, I'm just yeah. all over the place, but I have so many um, likes, right? So many things that I want to do and, and it gets a little crazy. So at 30, you were diagnosed. What prompt you to just go and see, say, because you know, here in the podcast, I love to talk a lot about, you know, shifting your mindset. Yeah. How yeah. to, because if you don't know, where you have a problem, you cannot get help or you cannot solve the problem, right? You don't know where to find that solution. Right. And, and we continue, yeah. right? We continue to just focus on that problem and we don't ask ourselves good questions. It's just yeah. more problem questions. So how how did you do? Like what was going so, through your through your mind? 
so I wish I could tell you that I was super proactive and it's like, oh, I'm going to, yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's not my life. So um, what happened was, was that I had, I struggled through school and right before the diagnosis, right before deciding to get my master's, um, I was a hypnotist. I practiced, I was a counselor Mm. and a hypnotist. I worked with a local psychologist and I did not prepare my business for a legislation change that happened where I live. And so the coverages that my work was covered under no longer existed. So I went from eight to 10 new clients a month to about four in a year. And so my business was devastated. Um, my business went bankrupt. It was, it was a very difficult time. And so I said, I love that work. And I said, you know what, I'm going to go back to get my master's to be covered under regular healthcare benefits. I was covered under um, car insurance benefits at the time. Mm-hmm. And because I had struggled in the past, I said, I really need to find out if there's something wrong. I knew that I wasn't that, you know, I had no problems reading and comprehending, but kind of the juggling of school and all of the different um, kind of time management components of school and stuff like that. I struggled greatly my entire life. I always say to people, you know, um, the signs are there. We just aren't ready to see them sometimes. Um, For example, in high school, uh, I did grade 11 math seven times and no one ever stopped and said, maybe there's something wrong. Like maybe there's something off, right? This, you know, I, I don't know how it is in the States, but here in Canada, you had to go to the guidance counselor's office and that they had to sign off every single time you were taking a new course that was outside of the curriculum or that you had not failed. And no one ever stopped and said, let's, let's see what's going on because clearly you're doing fine in your other subjects, but you know, there's something off here. And so I was an adult by the time that happened, that that business failed. And I knew I wanted to get my master's. And I said, I really have to make sure that all my ducks are in a row. It's very different going back to school as an adult and with all the adult responsibilities that you have in life versus when you're when you're younger and you might still be under the the care of your parents and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I said, let, let me just go check out to see if I have some type of learning disability. Never in a million years thinking that this was the diagnosis that I was going to get. And I say, um, and I just want to make clear, ADHD is not a learning disability. It's a learning difference. So it's just, we just learn differently. That's all. And we all have our different styles. And that's, that's really what prompted me. It was that abject failure (laughs) and saying, okay, well, what, what good is going to come from this? Because I can't just, you know, cry and, you know, kind of be, be upset over the ashes of a business that I loved. Um, I need to be able to persevere and move past this. So you said it's not a learning disability. It's the way that we, uh, that you process, you know, uh, learning. Yes. What are some of the, um, the things? Can you like walk me through a little bit of your challenges and how the strategies that you use? Sure. So not only is it a learning difference, but um, anybody that's neurodiverse, there's differences in how we process the world, period, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not just learning, it's interacting with people, it's relationships, it's um, just the everyday living, right? Um, so I'll give you an example. So you see those organization shows or you talk to kind of professional organizers and color coding, 
is a big thing, right? It's like this color helps you remember that it's this and, you know, the yellow might be what you have to do today, whatever that looks like for you. When I got my diagnosis, I found out that the type of ADHD, because there are different types, um, mine could not do color coding. Color coding would actually trip me up, confuse me, and have me focus in on the details of the color coding versus the reason why you're color coding. Mm. So it, it's a it, it's it's why it's so important that you get a proper diagnosis because the diagnosis teaches you about your learning strengths, your learning weaknesses, what works for you and what doesn't. And I was lucky enough that I got that diagnosis while in university because then I was able to take that diagnosis to what they call a learning strategist or a learning technologist. And, and most universities have those on staff. And then they take what that diagnosis has given you and they say, these are the technology tools that we recommend specifically for you. So one of the things that I learned was as much as I love information and I'm a natural researcher and I just consume it, um, I couldn't write it down because I would get lost in the details of writing. So all of my notes in school were audio notes where I would simply just mark down the time of a certain, so like, let's say that the topic was, uh, I don't know, global warming, right? And they're like, this is when it started. So instead of me typing out all of that, I would just say at 9.52, global warming start. That's it. Oh, Wow. And so when I was studying, I was just going back to those, hearing it out, not having to listen to the whole two and a half hour lecture. Um, and yeah, all of a sudden life felt like I could breathe easier because I was just doing it the hard way for so long. Well, now that you say that, I, you know, I, I usually jump from writing down because sometimes my, my brain is just going way too faster than my, my, my hands can handle and it's yeah, like yeah. oh my god let me just do an audio recording and by the time that I'm doing the audio recording <laughs> it's like okay so I'm I'm jumping to the next topic and I'm like oh my god all my thoughts just boom so why do you think and this might I'm not saying that I have you know ADHD or that whoever is listening might have this problem but it, it's something you know that really makes you think about I think the reality is, is that as an entrepreneur, we are naturally creative people where it's always going. I know for me, it never stops. I'm in the shower. I'm thinking about business. I'm in the oh, I car. <laughs> I have a business idea. I'm, you know, I'm going to finish this podcast and I'm going to sit down and take notes because I probably got some ideas while recording <laughs> this. Right. So I think that's just the natural demeanor of of entrepreneurs period. It's that creation fire that we all have in our bellies that it's like, you know, the idea of me never creating again, I might as well just end my life right now type of like, that's how passionate and that's how integral that is to who I am is the constant ideas, the projects, the things like that. The negative side of that is not knowing number one, how to harness that properly. So it's yeah. almost like those ideas that you get. And then if you don't capture them, they disappear. They just kind of evaporate into the air and you're like, oh no, they're gone. My babies are gone. I can't, you know, like I can't, um, I can't make, you know, really see them into, into being. Um, 
But I think the other part too is not only is it ideas, but it's how we organize them and how we really kind of um, make best use of them. Um, and, you know, I've, I've developed a program um, in one of my businesses. So I'm a multi, I understand you perfectly. I'm a multi-passionate, multi-business uh, entrepreneur. I have more than one thing going at once. Um, you speak in my it, language. <laughs> Um, but so in my business business in order, I've developed a program called the organized business bootcamp, and it's specifically targeted, um, for those multi-passionate, uh, solo entrepreneurs that might not be able to afford ongoing help, but they want some of these tips and tricks to be able to kind of harness that and make best use of it. Um, there's a whole bunch of other components that it brings in, but that's one of them. It's like, how do you capture that? And so it doesn't disappear. Um, but I think also, you know, one tip if I can give you for that is you use a different part of your brain when you're creating versus when you're organizing, right? And so you don't want to be flipping back and forth because that's where mm -hmm. the ideas get lost and that's where the confusion can set in or that's where it's like you see them evaporate. Like you can, all, it's like a dream, when you wake up in the morning and if you don't remember it clearly, you can almost feel it just going away and you're just like, no, I want it. So <laughs> what I suggest is um, when you're creating, I call it a brain dump. You just create, just take all of your ideas and put them down. Focus. Regardless. Of, no, no, not even focus. Even if no. it's just like random all over the page, that's fine. You just want to put, you want to get those ideas out of your head and right. onto a, okay. something, piece of paper, audio recording, whatever right? Until they stop. Because it's almost mm -hmm. like you're running, you're running, you're running. And then you've, you've given them a home so that they're like, oh, we can stop now. We can kind of calm down. Then once that's settled, then you go in and you go to the organizing part of your brain and you're like, okay, well, let's see, you know, maybe there's a timeline that you can add to it. Maybe you can lump it into a similar idea that you've had in the past that you've been kind of sitting with. Um, maybe you look at it and you're like, mm, now that I think about it with kind of my analytical side, this isn't going to work. However you want to do that, mm. you can do that, but you want to be able to leverage the way that your, uh, that your mind and your natural energetic rhythms work when, um, when really taking advantage of, of what you've created. It's like you're describing <laughs> It's like you're describing me. I'm like, holy cow, I do that all the time. But my problem is um, I jump from one thing to the, the next and I, and this drives my husband crazy because I'm like, it's mine like too. my ideas are <laughs> just worry, flowing. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like, oh, and we should do this and blah. And I get so excited. And, you know, it's like, oh, it's like I have this energy. And yeah. then I put things into, you know, like I start organizing and then I just jump to the next thing and it, and it's just crazy for me. So let's talk a little bit about the um, mental Ill illness and, and the work space. Why yeah. do you think this is not something that is talked about in more in, in the business or in the entrepreneurial world? I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, but, you know. Number one, as entrepreneurs, we suck at taking care of ourselves, period. Oh, yes. Story, right. <laughs> let's just let's just put that out there. That's the number one thing. Right. Um, I remember. So 
multi-passionate entrepreneur. Here we go. So I created a program that I'm trying to sell into um, boards of trade, um, venture capital firms. It's called Soul Circles, and it's a peer support group for entrepreneurs where it focuses only on their mental health. And I remember when I first came out with the program, I was speaking to a marketing person and she's like, oh, honey, you can't sell it as a mental health or a mental wellness program for entrepreneurs. We don't care there. Wow. She goes, you have to you have to sell it as something that will help you uh, that will improve your business because our business is our priorities. So I think, number one, we're as much to blame as entrepreneurs for this not being an important topic because um, it's just not a priority. But the reality is, is that, you know, five, sorry, yeah, it's five out of the eight top suicide risk factors entrepreneur are intrinsic to entrepreneurship. So um, the the staggering rates of um, depression, suicide, Entrepreneurs are four times more likely to take their own life than the general population. That's a statistic from the United Nations. So that is why it is so important. Um, And the reality is, is that I think, and this is why I'm going to venture capital firms. I'm going to boards of trade. I'm going to places where entrepreneurs already trust and they get resources from because Sometimes we have to hear it from the names that we trust and we have to put money behind it, right? Um, I think a lot of times when you see these people get these huge amounts of money from these firms that are investing behind them, there should be something, you know, that addresses their mental health as well. It's a very personal story for me. Um, My husband is in the tech space and um, he worked closely with um, a major health tech entrepreneur in Silicon Valley. He took his own life last year. It was about March when he took his own life. Um, he had just received another $20 million in funding. So it wasn't the money. But this, the pressure that entrepreneurship brings, the loneliness, the isolation, the concurrent um, conditions, the co-conditions that go along with that. The impact on your family, like I could, I could spend a whole episode just discussing um, why that is important and what are all the elements that really make up um, uh, the need to speak to that. And unfortunately, we don't live in a, you know, we're starting to talk more about mental illness, but we don't see it as much as we need to see it in the entrepreneurial space. It's something that you know um, we're losing a lot of great people. You know, just I know we're solopreneurs and and we're a small business. I I don't you know I manage a team, but you know my team is of seven people. It's not of like seven hundred, but the realities of that and the pressures of that just grow as your business grows. So you think you know if an entrepreneur thinks that oh if I just get to this level the pressure is going to ease off, it actually doesn't. It it doubles. just increases. It doubles and triples and. You know, like I was, I was speaking to an entrepreneur center that I'm trying to sell my program to. And I remember one of the consultants said, I desperately need this. And I I desperately need management to approve this because he has a gentleman that he sees on a regular basis. The business is growing. It's now multi-million dollar business. And he goes, this person cries in my office every week because of the pressure that he has. My, my employees have bought homes. They've made decisions based on me being able to continue to pay them. And, you know, and it's something that I think when you start off a business, you might not consider, right? But it is just as important as those sales statistics and that marketing plan and making sure that your operations are running smoothly. 
Yeah, and this is something that not many people understand the pressure that a business owner has. When I talk to people, I'm like, okay, so do you have, I usually ask them, do you have an employee mindset or business owner mindset before you yeah. go into business? Absolutely. Because Absolutely. this is something, you know, like even when I was working for a company, like I will go around and I'm not going to lie to you that I never took a break and, and go and chat with people, but I made sure that my work was done. Yeah. I will fight for that company. Like if it was mine and well, that's a whole, another reason why I left those companies because <laughs> employee appreciation and you know, sign, whatever. Right? Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. a separate <laughs> um, topic, you know, but you know, it, it's the risk. And, and that is so sad that um, it's not something that, that it's talked about much. And thank you for doing that. No one talks about the resiliency that you need as an entrepreneur, right? And it's an interest. I always say it's a really interesting club to be a part of because unless you failed, other entrepreneurs won't take you seriously. Oh, you haven't been at the max out your credit cards level. Don't talk to us. <laughs> We, we can't listen to you. Right. And I think and, and and that's part of why I created that Soul Circles program is because it's peer support. So it's not somebody telling you what to do. It's you listening to other other entrepreneurs and you're hearing your story come out of their mouth. You can respect that because you're like, you know what it's like, you right. know what it's you know what it's like to feel the pressure. Right. And, and it's the pressure from all over the place. Right. The pressure that your family puts. A lot of families don't understand. Go get a job. Yeah, exactly. They're like, you don't. why are you putting yourself through this? And it's like, well, you don't know what it's like to have this creative fire in your belly that drives every single move that you make in life. And so if you think that I'm going to go and put myself in a chair for a regular paycheck, and as nice as that sounds, you're in essence, you're killing me by doing that. Like, I know that might sound extreme to non-entrepreneurs, but true entrepreneurs will understand that because what you're doing is you're, you're dampening, you're putting out that creative force that really runs us and is who we are at the core of our being. And it's why it's so important that we talk about this because we're losing really good people. Not everybody has that creative force. You can't replace necessarily an entrepreneur and, and what they can bring into the world. Right. And so, you know, we need to look at not only the huge benefits, because I always say mo in the modern world, we consider entrepreneurs to be the new superheroes and they're the front line uh, of defense in a financial crisis. Right. They're the ones that that are spearing new creation and new jobs. But they come that that comes at a very, very high price. High price. Yeah. Yes. And, and not only that, but also, you know, like for any entrepreneurs out there, um, sometimes we get comfortable too. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. that's when, yeah, it, it's, it's a very like pulling from one side to the, to the next. We get comfortable, especially if we have, you know, somebody else supporting us. And sometimes, you know, it, it's like, oh my goodness, I need to come and bring also, you know, it's like this thing doesn't take off. And when is this tree going to give me fruits? Yeah. It's like yeah. frustrating a lot of the times. It's an emotional roller coaster that people don't realize. And there's just so many components. Like I talk about, you know, there's a lot of shame 
in entrepreneurship. Mm. We don't want to, you know, if, if someone says, Hey, how's it going? Oh, great. And it's like, no, no, really inside you're saying to yourself, I haven't paid my mortgage in two months, (laughs) you know, but you'll never say that because you have to keep that poker face on of people only want to work with successful people. Like there's a lot that needs to be normalized of this way of life and the way that economies are going and the gig economy, for example, let's not even talk about titans of industry. Let's talk about these small business owners that have three and four side gigs, right? That gig economy is run by micro entrepreneurs and the pressure that they face is not the same as the pressure that people faced 20 or 30 years ago in jobs that they could stay in for a while that had benefits that all had all of that stuff. Um, you know, the other thing is we can we need to recognize that this is a money-making venture and money comes with a lot of emotional triggers right? And there's nothing like running a business to put a mirror in front of you and poke at all of those weak spots, all of those triggers, all of those things that um, we've experienced in life, right? And so it's almost, I would, I would almost equate it to being a bit bipolar, the experience of, <laughs> of uh, entrepreneurship because of those extreme highs and lows. And, you know, one in three entrepreneurs, say say that they they are depressed regularly right so there's 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 just so much it's a toxic soup let's put it that way it's a toxic soup that you need to get help for as soon as you can (laughs) yeah and and not to mention the difference between men and women or Mm -hmm. you know mom versus women with no children and and it's all whole different like you said soup (laughs) yeah yeah a a noodle soup (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you take into consideration the the pay gap. It's 90%. That pay gap that we see in, in the corporate world, if you, when you translate it into entrepreneurship, 90% of female entrepreneurs make less than their male counterparts. Wow. 90%. It's 90%. 90%. It's a huge, huge number. You also have um, what they call the third shift or the beauty shift, right? You have to look a certain way in order to, um, you know, to go out to those networking events. And, you know, that applies to anyone, whether it's in entrepreneurship or not. Um, and then you take in, you know, the, 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 the elements of juggling children and elderly parents and like all of those natural life stressors that everyone experiences, you're throwing that on top of the toxic soup um, that is entrepreneurship. And I say that being as someone that loves entrepreneurship, like, but I just, I really, I found, I think it is important and I take it on as a personal mission to speak truthfully about what this is, because I think that we don't, no one really speaks the hard truths of seeing both the positive and the negative that this lifestyle has. And it's a lifestyle. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's having that beautiful, amazing Instagram luxury (laughs) looking you know it's like oh how come i'm not there yet these people are throwing their money they're they're not there yet they are not there yet let's (laughs) just break that bubble that is as curated as it comes and they that is not their life (laughs) 
Yeah, that's <laughs> that's just crazy. But hey, you know, to each his own. Like we have to bring these conversations to light, and for people, you know, don't give up on your dreams. And entrepreneurship is not for everyone. No, you can be absolutely. I I learned um another word word, and I'm I'm gonna try to remember um entrepreneurship. The is it entrepreneur the entrepreneur that works for another entrepreneur within a company, but they bring their own um, ideas and, you know, like you don't have to have your own business to be an entrepreneur. You know, it's like when I tell people who needs a headshot, everyone, because if you are a human being, you are selling yourself, whether you like it or not. You're a brand unto yourself, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I know this is a big topic. Let's ch- switch it up a little. And you said something there um, about beauty. To throw it in the soup, right? When you go networking, <laughs> you have to look a certain way. You you have mm-hmm. to, you know, what is your perception of beauty? You know, I would love to give you an altruistic answer where it's like, it's all within. And yeah, <laughs> if that was the case, then I wouldn't be worried that I'm not wearing foundation for this. <laughs> for this uh, interview right now and that I didn't have time to, to put my face on. Let's put it that way. My game face on. <laughs> um, I I admire, you know, what I see young women right now, that they're really kind of fighting against those beauty standards and recreating their own. I love that. I wish that that's, that I could do that myself, but unfortunately I'm not there yet. I think beauty is where you see value in the world, mm. right? I When I come across a brilliant entrepreneur that is living their truth and creating something that impacts other people in a positive way, I think that's beautiful, right? Um, when I see you know, a place or a room, if I walk into it, it's something that's calm, but it might not be super coordinated, but how it makes me feel. To me, that's there's a beauty there, right? So um, I think it's just such a personal definition. I wasn't expecting that question. Thank you. <laughs> I love that question because, you know, everyone describes a feeling. Beauty is, and as, a, as the definition is, it's a feeling. And, and feelings come really from within. Yeah. I yeah, love it. Sure. Another question that I really love asking my guests is, what is something you stopped apologizing for that helped you level up in your business? Oh, love that. Love that. So COVID, COVID really helped me to put that into perspective. I stopped apologizing for being how creative I am, so for having multiple businesses. I always used to hide that. I always used to, it was kind of something that, you know, was very personal and COVID and just kind of being stuck in the house and, you know, really having time to think more than usual was like, why am I, why am I hiding who I am? I'm a multi-passionate, multi-gifted entrepreneur and I'm not going to hide that. So number one, I stopped hiding how creative I am. And number two, I stopped hiding the role that my intuition plays in how I run my businesses. 
Um, I used to be from, from a business perspective, I was, it was very masculine the way that I, I thought it was numbers. And I thought it was, you know, kind of achieving a certain way and looking a certain way when it came to kind of the brand aesthetics and stuff like that. And what I realized is no, that's just not how I want to run. That's not how I naturally run. Um, intuition is very much a part of all my businesses, how I show up in the world and how I make business decisions. And so those two components, number one, not hiding who I am. Number two, recognizing what the driving force is of my creativity. Um, those two things have completely changed my world. And I, I, I really, really, I can't speak enough as to how differently the world shows up for you when you show up authentically. It's a game changer. I, I love that in so many levels because you hit something there <laughs> that I love and something that we didn't talk about in, in this episode was about intuition and what that, you know, brings to the, the business world. But something that I, I really love was that you said bringing your multi, multi-passions yeah. And that is something that I struggle with putting um, on, and I'm going to put Instagram as an example on social media was, you know, like I love speaking. I love having conversations with people. Yeah. I love photography. I love filmmaking. <laughs> and I have so many passions, right? And I didn't know how to put that because if if I put that into one place on on my socials, um, it will look like really what you were saying about being bipolar, because it will yeah. be like all over the place. And I just yeah. couldn't figure out how to um, put that into place. And that has slowed me down a lot when it comes to social yeah. media. And um, so I right now I'm just on my Mayi Lens account, which is the one that I call personal, but not really personal. It's more for podcasting and everything that I that I love. How do you deal with that? So, Is this something that you struggle with? Yeah, I struggled with when I finally said, I'm not going to live like this anymore. I'm going to embrace who I am. I know exactly where you're at because I struggled with that. And I was like, because you have to understand the range of my businesses. So one business is technology and process and very business. And my other businesses are feelings and emotions and intuition and showing up in a very feminine, you know, what might be traditionally considered a feminine way. And I was like, how do I make sense of this? How do I present this to people so that they see a cohesion and a connection? Because there is, there is throughout all of them because I'm that connection. Um, and it took me about six months of seriously letting that marinate in my brain and how I was going to birth that to make sense. And kind of what I came up with was called what I call business enlightened. And it's about doing business in a way that prioritizes mental health. And so I can talk about business and I can talk about feelings at the same time. And I'm still being authentic in all of those. So, you know, the technology and process improvement services that, that I offer, the guiding force behind that is to help you know, entrepreneurs find peace, time and profits, 
guided by mental health, right? We're not looking for those entrepreneurs that are looking only to the bottom line. We're looking for those entrepreneurs to work with those entrepreneurs that appreciate balance and that understand that their life is more than just that, that number at the bottom of the page. And so really it's, it's a matter of, and, and I did a lot of marketing research. So I'm not a marketing person by any stretch of the imagination, but I started really listening to more marketing podcasts about um, bringing your own authenticity into what you do. And so it did not develop overnight. It took me six months. It took me a lot of being really nervous <laughs> about putting that honesty out there because I'm like, wow, I'm going to, I know I'm going to alienate some clients. I know that, but coming back to, are they the clients that I wanted to work with? Do they share the same values? So it's, I get it. It's a nerve wracking place to be, but it, you'll be in such a better place once you figure that out on the other side. Yeah. It took, it, it took me a long, long time as well to try to figure that out. If it, if I have one tip for you is I have multiple websites. I have one in regards to my speaking where it's a full range of the different topics, but then each business has its own because it is, yeah, it's going to, it's a little too much to, yeah. <laughs> to kind yeah, of put that's, that in there. And, and this is not a, a marketing episode <laughs> for no, those no, of no, you no. listening, <laughs> uh, but it's something that, you know, it, it's also contributes to your mental health. You know, give your give yourself some grace and know that you will figure things out and you have beautiful people out there like Carolina, you know, trying to help you in the different aspects of of your of your life. And yeah. I learned something very powerful um, that life balance. And this was uh, with one of my guests um, and that she said, um, there's no such thing as life balance is how you prioritize. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's so give yourself some grace. I'm still, you know, like we're still developing because, you know, every day you learn something new. Um, thank you so much, Carolina, for all the wonderful um, knowledge that you share with us today. How can people connect with you? Sure. Uh, thank you for the opportunity for having me on the show. It was great. I really enjoyed our conversation. Um, people can connect with me. Um, my main website for speaking is bookcarolina.com, B-O-O-K and Carolina, like the state carolina.com. Uh, and that will link you to all of the projects, all of the businesses that I have going on, uh, my own podcast as well. Um, you'll be able to really get an idea of, of different things that I have my hands in and how you can reach out to me there. I love it. And all the links will be provided on the show notes of this episode. Thank okay. you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with your friends and family and consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts or tell us what you think on social media, on Instagram and Twitter at MyLens and on Facebook page Conversations with MyLens. I'm so grateful to be on this journey with you. Until next time, talk to you soon.